The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm David Wallace-Wells and with me today are Maureen O'Connor, New York's sex columnist. Hey, Maureen. Hey. And Allison Davis of The Cut. Hey, Allison. Hey, David. We got a great show for you this week, but first we want to remind you about the Sex Lives voicemail box. You can call us at 646-494-3590. We're going to end each episode with um, your answers to the questions we asked the last week. Um, and this week you're going to hear from an anonymous caller with a very particular form of nostalgia. 69, fantastic. Should make a comeback. That's coming up later after our interview with Jennifer Wright, the author of a great book called It Ended Badly, 13 of the Worst Breakups in History. But first, um, Allison and Maureen, we're going to talk about Ronda Rousey, who's in the news this week after having um, shockingly lost to, I guess, somebody. Oh, she's a she's like a UFC fighter, an MMA fighter. I don't know, actually, uh, who lost to this MMA. But, <laughs> she's like the female MMA fighter, not together. Are you offended that I don't? Like yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew that she was like the, the most badass, badass woman in fighting, but I, didn't, I don't know the distinctions between the styles. And, it's fair. It's but fair. she did lose to a boxer basically yeah right? yeah who kicked her in the face named holly home but that's not what we're here to talk about <laughs> we're here to talk about so many shots surrounding ronda this week <laughs> apparently she gave an interview um to maxim a couple weeks ago about her biggest sexual pet peeves one of which is anybody who uses lube she thinks that anybody who needs to use lube is doing it wrong i think so the direct quote is uh, you should never use lube in your life. If you need lube, then you're being lazy. You're not taking your time. Here's my one pet peeve about Rhonda. Yeah. Is that, is that she's got this whole, like, uh, her her slogan is, like, don't be a do-nothing bitch, or, like, I'm not a yeah. do-nothing bitch, which is, like, she doesn't accept laziness or weakness or, like, people being human and sometimes, <laughs> like, needing assistance. And I every sexual education class or, like like like, sex store I've gone to has done nothing but like sing the praises of lube for everybody even if Mm -hmm. you are the can i say the wettest person alive like (laughs) yeah lube is just gonna help sex be better so i'm very insulted that she's making people think you're defective if you just need this you know extra step also gotta say every now and then do nothing bitch sex is kind of fun thank you (laughs) sometimes i just kind of want to lie there and do whatever the fuck right let me be a starfish or like let's do it real quick You know, sometimes like, we're not do all very little, bitch. It's like, kind of fun. Well calibrated athletes, Rhonda. <laughs> Please don't kick me in the face for saying that. But, but isn't what she really saying like that? If if you need lube, then your dude is not doing it, right? This is possible. And now here's the one thing that she didn't quite specify whether it's that like the female body needs to be producing an extraordinary amount of natural lubricant, or what I do recall is that Jenna Jameson once said, and when she was doing all her how to make love like a porn star. What I do recall was her saying, never use lube, use saliva. And I thought, geez, is this something of some kind of like really intense sex people thing that they're like, absolutely no. I mean, it's almost like being the like organic locavore of of sex. So like <laughs> no external substances will enter. Right, only that which is made by your body can be used. As yeah, but I got to say, saliva does not work the same way. This is just straight up bad advice. I got to say, and depending on what you're doing and yeah. how you're doing it, I mean... Well, I guess it's clear that like Ronda Rousey does not have anal sex, isn't that? Yes. Right? You know what? That is also what we just learned. <laughs> very good point. Very yes. good point, David. Good call. All right, let's move on to our interview with <laughs> Jen Wright. Go after that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Joining us now is Jennifer Wright, the author of It Ended Badly, The 13 Worst Breakups in History. Um, thanks, Jen, for coming on. Thank you for having me. I know Maureen is super duper excited about this book, so maybe she wants to take the lead in grilling you. Yeah. Well, I was just telling Jen, the reason I wanted to do this was that literally last week I I went to meet two girlfriends at a bar and one of them had a copy of this book. And she's like, you guys, and normally we're not necessarily like a book at a bar kind of girls, but... She was like, "We, I can't stop reading this. You have to hear about this insane shit this Emperor Nero used to do with, like, his butt and locking people up. And it was just <laughs> insane. And we was to the point that, like, people, like, we were laughing so hard at the bar that um, at one point, like, some other, some, like, you know, group of dudes walks up to us. And they're like, what are you all ladies all laughing at? We're like, go away. We're really busy right now. I have to keep reading about, like, Edith Wharton's love obsessions. Um, the book was just amazing. Um, so I guess I'm curious. A, what got you going on it? And B, what did you find out? What can you tell us about horrific, historically horrific breakups? Well, what probably got me going on it was I was going through a breakup when I came up with the idea. And mm-hmm. I was looking for books about breakups. And all of the ones I could find were on topics like how to handle your breakup like a gracious gentlewoman of the 21st century. And I'm sure that's great. But I had also drunk t- dialed my ex like the night before. <laughs> so I felt like that ship had already sailed. And Which is I, exactly what Nero's wife did. Right? Oh, <laughs> identical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, So I wanted to write a book about people who had also behaved badly during a breakup and who had, in fact, behaved worse than you or I or anyone we know will ever behave. Like the level of misery loving company in this is just like gone nuclear. Seriously. Um, Which one is your favorite one? Oh, my favorite one's actually Oscar Kukoshka because I think it's the happiest ending all around. Oscar Kukoshka was a Viennese artist around 1918 and he fell in love with Alma Mahler, this great Viennese beauty, the wife of Gustav Mahler. And everybody did. Um, Alma (laughs) just is like the Samantha Jones of the early 20th century. She's spectacular. But after their affair ended, he was so distraught that he went to the local doll maker and he commissioned a giant doll that looked exactly like Alma Mahler. Uh. And while I think most people (laughs) would probably like keep that hidden in their bedroom closet. He took it out on the town for carriage rides. He took it to the opera. He had a party for it. All his friends knew about it. And everybody was still really, really nice. Everybody's reaction kind of seemed to People be... People that were supportive. Yeah, everybody's reaction kind of seemed to be, oh, like, it's weird that he how brought did, a doll to a dinner party, but it's how okay. How did Alma Mahler react to this? Um, she really, she'd gone off with Walter Gropius by that point. <laughs> so I just, I don't Bigger think she cared. But yeah. this is like Lars and the Real Girl. There's something kind of like very endearing about it. I know in a it's, way, right? it's kind of sweet. Okay, then he beheaded it at a party. Less so that sweet. was. I don't think I didn't see Lars and the Real Girl. I assume no, it doesn't end that no way. Beheading, no. I don't. If a man made a life-size doll of you after your breakup and carried it around town. Anybody who supported that would be, like, engaged in treason by my book. I'd be a little bit stoked, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, he really loved me. That feels oh my nice. God. <laughs> so when you break up with someone, you want them never to couple again? They, oh, right. You only treasure your memory? Yes. I never want them to get over me, basically. In the ideal world, all of your exes are celibate for life. And have dolls of me that they just, like, <laughs> stare at, take around town, take to the movies. Maybe even treat, like, a little bit better than me. That's fine. Would well, you, why do you consider this one a Happy okay, all right. Um, also, <laughs> another weird fact about that, he started sleeping with the maid that he had hired to dress the doll. Oh, my God. So, so twisted. Um, yeah, this, what a 
there's this great <laughs> there's this great quote from him like it's something along the lines of though her purpose was only to dress my doll the destined companion of my life her sound common sense told her that i would be lacking warmth in my bed so uh, so that's that's its own like separate thing he wasn't devoted enough to the doll really after he beheads the doll he ended up well the nazis feature him in the degenerate art show of 1937 he had to flee vienna obviously but he goes off to london with this incredibly lovely woman named olda his diary entries take on this completely different tone where he talks about how she makes him like wonderful desserts like rice pudding and Viennese chocolate cake and they live down the street from a movie theater and they go every week and their favorite are Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies and he starts this foundation for refugees who have been persecuted by the Nazis and he just goes on to lead this really lovely stable wonderful life and uh, there's hope for all yeah, of us it's so, so nice one of the things I kind of took away from the book was <laughs> I love this story. <laughs> no matter what you've done during your breakup, it can be like you built a giant doll and carried it everywhere. Unless you actually try to kill someone, you're going to be fine. It's still, there are people out there who will be like, oh, you built a giant doll? That's eccentric and endearing. I like that in people. Raising my hand over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, really impressive to me that the level of insanity required to like create the like doll in effigy and then behead her publicly doesn't preclude like the you know old-timey version of like we're just going to go to the movies and hang and have like a totally quiet life yeah and fred astaire and ginger rogers movies too it's the not like there's a movie yeah. you could ever like yeah so what was like the worst breakup in the book like who do you think behaved worst most insanely i mean we've already touched on nero so Nero's definitely the most insane because he is the limitless power of a roman emperor he castrated <laughs> a 14 year old boy after killing his second wife and he forced that boy to pretend to be the new empress and much like oscar and the doll took him on carriage rides through town but he did it with a child he did it with a child that, that he, he castrated. castrated yeah that's yeah. really dark um yeah and by the way that wasn't legal in ancient rome like terrible things could be done to slaves but one thing you were supposed to be able to have certainty of as a roman slave is that you would never be castrated but uh yeah nero rules weren't for him he was a terrible terrible psychopath well and he also had an affair with his mother correct <gasps> maybe uh probably <laughs> this was my other question of how accurate these histories are in terms of the way the sort of lore has come down. I mean, there's a question of how accurate any history can be because sure. a lot of these are written by political enemies of these people. Mm -hmm. and But there's a reason they were political enemies of these people. And it is important to remember that for most of history, these people would have had limitless power. Mm -hmm. um, the records about Nero, you know, they talk about other people badly, but they don't say, and then that guy just castrated someone. <laughs> yeah. And also there are a lot of different sources that all at least agree on the Spora story. They might mm -hmm. differ a little bit on exactly how Nero tortured people and performed atrocities. But how did they break up? The oh, eunuch and Nero. Nero was assassinated. And ah. Sporus played a role in his assassination. So, so then Sporus really had the dramatic breakup on that side. Unfortunately, after Nero was assassinated, the new emperor told Sporus that Sporus had to continue on as the empress. And he wanted to, him to perform in a gladiatorial arena where he would be raped to somehow show the continuity of Oh my God! What was it about this Forrest kid? committed suicide in the end. God, this yeah. poor I'm kid. So, I'm sorry. Forrest this was Forrest. really sad. The for... ultimate whipping boy. Yeah, it's. <laughs> uh, 
Oscar Wilde has a quote later about how um, he sympathized with Lord Alfred Douglas because he saw him as a kind of sporus figure. So. Oh, wow. That's an insult. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Man. So what I kind of liked about the book is that, is it weird that I kind of used it as somewhat of a self-help guide? I wanted it to read oh, that good. one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I'm so, so like glad you did person. that. Oh, you mean so like great. how to behave awfully? Yes. Uh-huh. How to make a doll of my ex. No, but just like kind of what you were saying, you know, no matter how bad I get, it could not be as bad as Nero no, castrating never. a small child and nope. then no. parading him around. But do you feel like if it was, if you actually had limitless power... That castrating someone out of vengeance would be beyond you? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I really know. I'm gonna be beyond you, David. Yeah, no, I think it would be beyond me. But there's something in Allison. I'm like, I'm, I mean, I just I don't want to comment on this. <laughs> well, you know what I appreciated, Jen, is that there's this feeling whenever things are sort of like dramatic and bad, like you were saying that when you're sort of breaking up and feeling terrible about your breakup, there's sort of this like flip where you go from being like this is misery to like this is glamorous misery. And I think that was sort of the quality I got from that. I was like, oh my gosh, like these could be the most like pathetic people on the planet or it could be history making yes. misery you know and there's there's a sort of like dark glamour to all of it but then unfortunately like modern day breakups when they're really, really bad and tragic there's nothing glamorous about like and then I sent him 27 text messages in a row like <laughs> oh but it's... isn't there I believe you made an argument comparing that to Edith, Edith Wharton oh Jen. good call Ooh, okay. wrote her ex literally hundreds of letters which he largely okay. declined to reply to but she took her pain and she turned it into beautiful novels and ended up living on the French Riviera Okay, so maybe that's where we're headed with our text messages that are like 4 a.m. drunk ones. I mean, Why? I think it's nicest when you can find somebody who wants to play along with you. Like, my <laughs> other favorite one is Lord Byron and Carolyn Lamb. Because uh. after they broke up, which involved her like threatening to stab herself and dressing up as a page boy, and they had a very tempestuous relationship. After they broke off, she lopped off her pubic hair and sent it to him in the mail, saying that he should send his <laughs> back and he didn't want to do that because he was seeing somebody new by that point but afterwards how dare you send your pubes to someone else (laughs) (laughs) afterwards she burned him in effigy and she made all of her page boys recite poetry around the bonfire about how terrible lord byron was but lord byron (laughs) like also ended up sending her a lock of his new girlfriend's hair and then he wrote a mean poem about her and she broke into his office and they went back and forth for a really long time. That all sounds kind of fun, right? Like, you yeah. you have to have yeah. one relationship like that. They seemed like people who maybe enjoyed the breakup more than they yeah. ever enjoyed their relationship. Right. That is a real thing. Yes. Absolutely. There are some people that, like, you're great at being in love with and there are people you're just great at fighting with. Right. And some of these people are great at fighting. I love that. I hope... Every single one of these is going to turn into like a mini series of movies, right? Yeah, I can I love that. because I yeah. would I would like that too. Or like a drunk history. You would watch the drunk history of oh breakups. My God. Every single one of them, yeah. Yeah, every single one. What about contemporary relationships? Are there like public figures you've seen break up and whose breakups were so dramatic that you were like, these people deserve a place in for you know the history of for future generations? I think Charles and Diana would be the most recent one that feels really historic to me, and it feels too recent to write about, but uh, that does feel really interesting. That's like yeah. a very star-crossed lover's yeah. story, and mm-hmm. and there's so much drama to that, and, and then she died, and yeah, if I was writing this book 50 more years into the future, I think that would be the next one to include. 
So what would, I just want to know, like, do you have three characteristics of a breakup that would make it, like, distinctly, historically, catastrophically bad? Just, like, universal ones that maybe I can remember from my own life. Somebody has to have power in some way. Okay. Because otherwise, I, I mean, just frankly, like, in order for it to be remembered, you have to have enough people taking notes on it. Right. So whether or not these people are celebrities or aristocrats, at least one of the people has to be really powerful. Because otherwise they just won't be monitored closely enough. I'm sure there are a million just peasants in the 17th century who had really interesting breakups, <laughs> right. but we don't know about them. Um, Although I, it's interesting to think in today's world, it's like everybody's being monitored all the time. Right? That's true. Will it's going to be different. Yeah. The yeah. age of the, the democratic meltdown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've got it, guys. We're so lucky. We can all be baby celebrities now. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think also... Again, at least one of the people has to have a lot of free time because you, <laughs> yeah. just, you don't have time to write hundreds of letters unless you have, if you have like three children and like other stuff going on in your life, you don't have time to do this. Or like mm-hmm. assemble page boys to have like a, like yeah. a pube hair yeah. burning party. Ritual. Exactly. <laughs> Sounds so fun. <laughs> and I think people also have to be really creative. I was, this might sound weird, but I was very impressed by a Uh, lot of the people in this. They were just, they were really smart and they were boundlessly creative in Mm -hmm. ways that they were venting their anger and all their feelings. And sometimes that was good and led to a really good life, like with Oscar Kokoschka. And sometimes it was really bad, like uh, Nero or Annie Ivanovna. (laughs) Like new levels of batshit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, before people had television, it was just. I know. Like, what else are you gonna <laughs> do? Terrible things to do. You're gonna get so bored unless you just plot. Oh yeah. Terrible breakups. <laughs> Television's really great. <laughs> so your book has thirteen breakups. Mm-hmm. What were like the fourteenth, fifteenth, and sixteenth? What were the ones that like just missed the oh, cut? Oh, okay. Um, well, one that just misses the cut is George Eliot, who's. Husband supposedly saw her naked on their wedding day and immediately leapt out the window of their hotel into the Grand Canal and he begged the gondoliers not to revive him. Had he ever seen a woman naked before? Maybe he just didn't know what it looked like. That's possible and that's one of the reasons I didn't include it because it felt like that was very similar to John Ruskin who wouldn't have sex with Effie Gray after he saw her naked on their wedding night. God. But uh, George Eliot... such pressure back in the day. George (laughs) Eliot was also unfortunately famously unattractive so it was really humiliating for her. I can't even imagine a body that would make me jump out of a window. No, and I mean, sure, it wasn't about that. Surely he was very depressed in other ways. (laughs) Yeah. But the tabloid response at the time was like, George Eliot is so ugly that this is what happened. How did she react to it? Oh, she was like humiliated by it. It was terrible. So so sad. I know. I think we forget that there was tabloid journalism 100, 200 years ago. Just as tawdry as ours. Yeah, Yeah, we think it was so dignified. Exactly. Yeah, no. no, people made fun of people's looks all the time. So George Eliot would have been in there. Abraham Lincoln told a woman's sister that if her sister moved to Illinois, he would marry her. And he did not mean it. He was joking around. Hey. He was trying to be like he was not being honest. <laughs> <laughs> Dishonest and, Yeah. And then the woman was willing to take him up on his offer. And he had to write these very long, awkward series of letters explaining that he would not be fun to be married to. That he's just, he's not a good guy. It's not her, it's him. But Did also, get... like, moving in that time period is not just, like, getting a U-Haul. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's a quite big difficult. deal. <laughs> 
So Jen, thanks so much for coming on. It was a blast to talk to you, and um, thanks so much for writing the book too. It was great to read. Oh, thank you. I'm really, I'm really glad everybody liked it. Yeah. Now let's move on to voicemails. Last week we asked you to call in with stories about relationships with people who refuse to do certain things during sex, as well as the chaste sexual practices of your youth that you feel nostalgic for. And this is uh, one of our favorite responses. Uh, yeah, I had a girl once refuse to kiss me during sex. Um, and her logic was that it was, she was afraid it would, she would get attached if we were kissing or that it would be weird if we were kissing. But really, it was just weird that we weren't kissing. Um, also, like, I wasn't quite sure where she got that. I figured maybe she'd just seen Pretty Woman again recently. Anyway, it was weird. So the way I dealt with it was um, we, you know, just had sex, and we'd kiss each other's faces and necks and stuff like that, but never on the mouth. And then finally, like, I don't know, we got to be, like, 20 minutes into it, and she finally just, like, kissed me. And she's like, but this doesn't mean anything, okay? And like, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, no problem. Um, and she's like, oh, this is so much more fun with kissing. I was like, yeah, that's why people generally kiss during sex. This is not like a novel discovery. But so there's that. And then for uh, question number two, I'm going to go with uh, 69ing. I think uh, 69ing is underrated, and understandably so, because I think in the wrong hands or in the wrong mouths, it's just awkward and, uh, and uh, difficult or distracting. But... When you have two people who know what they're doing, they're on the same page, 69ing, fantastic. Should make a comeback. Uh, great show. Bye. I think either one of them had bad breath, and they were, she was just, like, making excuses. Oh, Allison, so smart. Yeah. You know, someone had garlic for dinner. Or she's, I mean, like, a really romantic, and she really thinks that, no? <laughs> or, I mean, isn't that the opposite of romantic? I don't when you're know. like, don't kiss me, I don't want to get attached? Yeah. But, okay, still, so 69ing have... is out of style? Is it? Like, that's news to hmm. me. <laughs> well, I do think it's true that once you start at some point, um, it's easy to let, say, like, penis and vagina sex take over your sexual repertoire. Or you get used to, like, once we're doing that, we're not going to, like, back up. And yeah, it seems like stuff. definitely, to me anyway, it was like a bigger part of the sexual world before sex was really everything that my friends were doing, like, back in... But I, I have always believed that oral sex is so much more intense because, like, your face is right up in there. I mean, especially when he mentioned the idea of, like, 69ing can go wrong. Like, just, like, visually, there's, like, just a lot when you're 69ing. It's Extraordinarily also, intimate. It's sort of, like, the closest thing you're going to get to an orgy with two people because it's just, like, <laughs> orifice to face. Right, like, like who's is this? I don't, I don't know. know. What is this? I don't know. <laughs> Great two person orgy. <laughs> Which is precisely why it should be happening, I think. <laughs> There is a certain thing where, uh, regarding the kissing, that, like, you have to reach a certain comfort level before you're allowed to tell someone to go brush their teeth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, first-time sex is probably not the time when you're, like, you might have halitosis or, like, your breath is really bad. I know. You haven't established yet, like, if you're allowed to use that person's toothbrush or, like, what's going to... Right. Who's going to do what? Well, it's, like, one of the upsides of being sort of drunk is that, boo- like, booze is sort of a breath freshener. Yeah. Or you is just it? don't know the difference. Right. Because it's right. just, too drunk. like gin across the board (laughs) (laughs) i actually might request a toothbrush for that situation it's so gross (laughs) i don't know but if if she was being sincere and not just like covering up stinky breath or like being polite and protecting his stinky breath what i mean would you guys 
go for no kissing? I mean, I def I definitely have sex often without kissing. Not like it's like the only thing that, but like yeah. it happens like in a relationship. Like I have right? been criticized as not kissing enough or whatever that's worth. And now this makes me that I'm like, is it because I'm an unfeeling? I don't know. Well, maybe she was also just trying to speed things up. And yeah. like, I, yeah. like we've just got home together. Like we're going to spend some few minutes making out before we even move on to the other shit. Like, let me just like, let's cut that out and move on to the. Yeah, the weird part is the kissing of, like, the cheeks. Like, yeah, in the what planet you're kissing. kissing a cheek while also <laughs> fucking is just, like, very strange to me. Just, like, like I can get like forehead while we... Yeah, like, licking maybe, but, like, kissing kissing on a cheek while fucking strikes me as <laughs> so weird. I agree with that. Also, just, like, kind of a hard target, like, yeah. now that I'm thinking about the logistics <laughs> of it. Like, yeah, my, my only explanation can either be, A, the breath thing, or B, just, like, she just kind of wanted to get plowed. She's like, dude, don't get your face near me. Let's just right, do this just shit. Do this so I can go home. Sorry, sorry, guy. This has all been very bad for this caller. I apologize. I know. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. We'll be, we can... Will I be. bet you're a great lover, sir, who That's... likes 69ing. <laughs> other people, don't be afraid to call in. <laughs> yeah, you didn't kiss the face, but you're kissing so many other things so well. Speaking of uh, other callers, yeah, for this week, I guess we're gonna um, we're gonna ask you to call in with your biggest sexual pet peeves. Do not say, um, you know, do not cite Ronda Rousey's lube beef. <laughs> so dumb. Could yeah. I ask you guys like yeah. what your sexual pet peeves are? Uh. It's kind of graphic, but I feel like maybe this is something that men take from porn, but, like, don't slap my vagina. People oh. do that. It's like, what? <laughs> it's been done by so many people, what? and I don't know why. When you say slap, you mean with a hand? Yes, not with, with a hand, not with their what dick. What kind of monster? Like, it's going to, like, like make me come harder or, like, arouse me more, but it's like a, like a little vagina spank, and I don't know who told them it was a good idea. It's not a good idea. So. Is it? Does it happen when there's other spanking on the table? I mean, other spanking have, is fine, but I like... I have seen other spanking... Or I have seen... <laughs> In the mirror. How do I phrase? Where somebody has been spanking, then be like, should I spank that? And I'm like, absolutely not. Um... It's a porn move. Like, I've seen it in porn, but I don't think that needs to be replicated in my bedchamber, <laughs> sir. So, <laughs> that got real. I'm so <laughs> that is a real, like, yeah, permission before you go there yeah, thing. Honestly. So, yeah. listeners, if you want to share some stories of <laughs> your own complaints, things you would like, instructions you would like to give future <laughs> lovers... And also the worst breakups in your own history. Call us and leave us a message at 646-494-3590. 646-494-3590. And that's it for Sex Lives. Thanks to our guest Jennifer Wright. Our producer is Sam Dingman. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. See you guys next time and thanks for listening. If I can think of anything that would just stop an orgasm <laughs> from happening, <laughs> be mad, be like, and a little slap right there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> At a girl. Like, what? Good game. Good game. <laughs> Good game. <laughs>